I love our Christmas services, the, the Advent services leading up to, to Christmas and then our Christmas Eve services. Um, did I turn this on? Yes. Um, I, there's just something special about celebrating the coming of the Lord in the, in the way that we do. And I think uh, Pam and Pete did such a wonderful job with the decorations. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Last week, after, after the pageant was done and after everybody left with their kids and everybody went out to, to eat or, or home to lunch or wherever, they were in here. They were in here when I left. They were in here uh, arranging everything and um, all of the, the decorations and that, and then the flowers came in this week. Um, so appreciate everything everything you do pete and and pam there you are um let's pray father i uh just ask you right now that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to receive today we give you lord we we, we give you permission we we i mean you can do what you want to do anytime but lord we invite you to come and to do your work and to speak to our hearts with what you have for us today. We surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever wondered what God wants for your life? And I don't mean just, you know, what you're supposed to do. You know, like I'm going into this career or I'm going to live in this city. I'm going to go here and do that. I don't mean that. I mean, what does God want you want for your life at a at a deeper level? Something that he wants for you that, you know, transcends or, or, you know, it doesn't matter what career you choose, where you live or anything else. There's things that he wants for your life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning Three things that God wants for your life, every one of our lives, yours and mine and everyone's. And that is, it's very simple, really. God wants us to know, to experience, and to share his love. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because in sending Jesus, God gives us an invitation. And it's an invitation to know and to experience and to share his love. Let's go through each one of these. First off, God wants us to know his love. We're invited to know God's love. That's what John 3.16 tells us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. A lot of us think that. That's not why he came. But to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He wasn't born so that he could grow up and point out everything that everybody was doing wrong. 
He came to show us what a relationship with God is supposed to look like and how to do it right. He came because God wanted mankind to know. He wanted you and me to know how much he loves us. It was God's love that prompted him to send his son. God sent Jesus to save us so that through Jesus we could have relationship with, with, with God based on, a, uh, based on love, not based on law, not based on performance or anything like that, but simply based on love. He wants our relationship with him to be based on mutual love, God for us and in return us for God. And the only way that we can know that we can love God is if we first know his love. And I wonder sometimes how many of us really truly know in our knower the depth of God's love for us. The Apostle Paul knew it, and he prayed that we would know that same love. And this is a prayer I would recommend that, that you, know, you begin to pray often. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. I pray this frequently over the church. I pray this frequently over family. I pray this frequently over friends. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14, says this. I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you through, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will, go, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Now where the NLT, that was the New Living Translation, and where that uses the word understand, some translations use the word know or use the word grasp. He's talking about understanding it in our minds. He's talking about mental knowledge, understanding something, you know, grasping a hold of it and, and knowing it in our minds so we don't doubt it. He wants us to know the truth of God's love in our minds and to, and to, to grasp how great God's love is for us. Even though it's so great, you know, it's, it's impossible for us to fully grasp it, he still wants us to know that. He doesn't just love us a little. He, he, his, his love is greater than anything we could ever imagine. That's how great his love is for us. Part of my daily uh, devotions for the last couple of years, and I've done this several times, is I, I read through this book uh, by Andrew Murray, The True Vine. It's all about John chapter 15, uh, where Jesus is the true vine, the father's the, the husbandman or the gardener, depending on your translation, and and uh, there's 31 chapters in it, short chapters, so I just, whatever day of the month it is, I, I read that for that day. This morning I was reading, and it was chapter 19, and uh, this caught my, caught my mind as I was reading this this morning. The, name, the chapter title is The Wonderful Love, and he makes this statement, we are in danger of looking to Christ as a savior and as a supplier of every need 
without any sense of the intensity of personal affection in which Christ embraces us. Did did you hear that? Let me read it again. We are in danger of looking to Christ as a Savior and supplier of every need without any sense of the intensity of personal affection in which Christ embraces us. In other words, you know, we're in danger of, uh, uh, of just looking to, you know, Christ is one who, who forgave us our sins and meets our needs, and God, I need this, would you do this for me, would you do that for me, and so forth, without really understanding that everything He does for us is out of His intense love. And more than what he does in meeting our needs and, 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 and supplying things for us and all, more than that, he wants us to know his love. God doesn't ever want us to wonder or doubt that he loves us. I know we do sometimes. You know, I've, I've had those doubts. But he doesn't want us, he wants us to know it. He wants us to know it so that we never doubt it. If you find yourself wondering whether or not God really loves you, then I would encourage you to set aside some time to read and to meditate on some scriptures that speak of his love. And there are so many. But I'll give you three just real quickly. One is John 3.16. We already read that. John 3.16 talks about you know, how much he loves us, so much that, that God gave us his son. He sent Jesus to be crucified for us that that speaks intensely and then romans 5 8 which tells us it wasn't after we became good it wasn't after we got our lives you know cleaned up and straightened up and all that that he did that but it be he 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 demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners while we were still at enmity with him while we were still far away from him christ died for us and then ephesians 3 the prayer that we just prayed i would take that and i would pray it for yourself god help me to know this help me to see this help me to understand this the scope of your love for me not just for everyone else but for me and then pray that for yourself pray it for your family for your friends pray it for your enemies that's a key passage into the heart of god right there second thing that that god invites us into is to experience God's love. Experience His love. After Paul prays that we would understand or know or grasp His love in verse 18, then he prays this, the very next verse in verse 19. He says, May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's one thing to know something in your head. Something else to experience it in your heart. Now, some translations will use the word know in the English for both instances, verses 18 and 19. Verse 18, it has to do with comprehending, understanding with our mind. But in verse 19, it has to do with not just, un- not just comprehending, the love of God in our mind, but experiencing it in our hearts and in our lives. Here, here's a point. God wants uh, each one of us, you and me, all of us, He wants us to have a knowledge of love that goes from our head and into our hearts. 
He wants to know it here, and he wants us to absorb it here. It's not enough for it just to stay up here in our heads. It's not enough for that. Neither can a parent or a spouse or anyone else experience God's love for you. He wants it for you. God wants you to experience his love personally. Now, how does that happen? Every person's different, but it's when you know in your head, it's, 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 it's when what you know in your head goes deeper than just mental assent, just mental of, you know, I check it off, okay, I learned that, I know that. It's, it's when it goes deeper than that. Uh, uh, you, you know deep down in your soul that you stand forgiven before God, that you're at peace with Him. You know, and sometimes you even become overcome with an intense feeling of His love. Not always. Not, that doesn't always happen, but there are times in our lives when we are so overwhelmed with such an intense feeling of our love. Unfortunately, you know, many in the church have been taught to stay away from feelings. You know, you know, oh, you don't, you know we don't live by feelings, which is true. But we've, been, we, 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 we've kind of gone overboard in some ways in, in negating our feelings. Well, I don't base my, my Christian walk on feelings, so I'm just going to ignore them totally. No, God gave us our feelings. You know, God gave us the ability to feel. And while we don't always feel His love or His presence, there are times we do experience it. His, we do experience His love by feeling it. You know, I... I I experienced God's love when I, when I gave my life to, to, to Christ and found freedom and found joy and found peace that I had never known before in my life. There was a difference inside me. I, I, was, I was transformed instantly. There was a transformation that took place. Now, it wasn't everything. I'm still working on things. But there was a transformation and a freedom that came in. Uh, but and then and then as I've gone through my my Christian walk, you know, um, there have been a number of times when throughout the years I literally felt God's love, literally felt it. Two times in particular that I will never forget, and I've never I've never forgotten. One happened in the fall of '89. Fall of '89 was a particularly. Uh, I mean, it was up and down time of life. Um, I'd been I'd been pastoring the church for just a few months. Been pastoring the church for just a few months. We had our first miscarriage, first of two that month, and I was ordained that month. So it was like you know, so much stuff was, was, was going on. Well, I was in the basement of the house that we were living on, back over on Layjack Lane at the, at the time. I was, I, I was in the basement of the house, and I was just in my quiet time. I was just praying, and, and suddenly I just felt the... Uh, and this, this wasn't a finished basement, okay? This was like, you know, your gray cement, cedar block, or cinder block walls, and, you know, floor with a little piece of tiny piece of carpet that I was on um, but I mean and all of a sudden I just felt the literally felt the presence of God just fill the room I mean I, I can't explain it but I could feel his love encapsulating me and I've never forgotten that it's been different than anything else I've experienced since then but I've never forgotten that what that was like 
And, and, you know, that was the, the first time I think that I ever, you know, I'd been walking with the Lord at that time for maybe 11 years, I think, whatever it was. I'm not good at math, but, but yeah, and, but that's the first time I ever really felt God's love. First time that it, at least like, like that. Um, so that, that, that was one time. Another time was when, and some of you will remember this, we were meeting at Harmony School at the time, but they were refinishing the floor of the gym, so we had to take one Sunday and meet at Binford Elementary School. So we were meeting, there was that service that we were meeting at Binford, and at one point in the service, I just felt like God's presence fell on us, like it was a sensation of being like wrapped up in a warm blanket. How many would like that right now? You know, just, yeah, being wrapped up in a, <laughs> being wrapped up in a warm blanket, you know, it's just a sense of his love. And, and I wasn't the only one who felt it either because several had told me since then, I remember that, I remember that feeling. I was there and I remember that feeling. So that was another time. Now you may think, Dave, I think you've gone off the deep end. I think you, you sound crazy. Um, if that's the case, um, I want to give you a few other examples. Some people that, you know, maybe might have a little more credibility than me talking. John Wesley, ever hear of him? The founder of Methodism. He described an experience he had on May 24th, 1738. And it was like this. He says, about quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, this is what he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in that I felt I did trust in Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. He says, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And then Dwight Moody described an experience that he had after his church building was destroyed in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. After the fire, he traveled to New York to try to get some financial help, and this is what he wrote. I began to cry as never before for a greater blessing from God. The hunger increased. I kept on crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Just pause a minute. You ever cry out for that? I would cry. I would make that a prayer every day of your life. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit today. It says that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It's almost too sacred an ex- experience to name. I can only say God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Can you imagine that? Such an experience of his love that he had to ask God, you know, stay your hand. I can't physically can't take any more of it. And then one more. Anybody familiar with Charles Finney? a lawyer turned evangelist in the 19th century. He wrote about his conversion experience in his autobiography. I read this a couple of times. It's, it's, it's an amazing book. This is what he put. 
As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. It seemed to come, indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No, one, no words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with the joy and love. And I do not know, I do not know, but I should say I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me one after the other until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear anymore. Yet I had no fear of death. One thing that strikes me is Moody and Finney both described as it is like, man, it got so intense that I had to ask, you know, I can't, I had to say I can't take anymore. But Finney said it was like, like waves and waves of liquid love. It was something that he felt. It was an experience. I've been reading uh, daily, I've been reading accounts of present-day persecuted Christians around the world. And often they describe the they describe experiencing the Lord's presence in a very tangible way while they were in prison or being beaten or being tortured so much so that afterwards they're in their interviews with with voice of the martyrs in their interviews there uh, you know several have said oh that was the, the the time in prison that was the best time of my life and it's because of the closeness of the presence of the Lord, the love of the Lord that they felt during that time. Now, here's what we need to, uh, need to understand. Not everyone experiences God's love the same way. Everybody's different. But God wants everybody to know and experience his love for them. For his love to become a reality in their lives. He wants to know it so that we never doubt it. And then he wants us to experience his love. That's going to look different than for all of us. I would have told you for years, I said, well, I'm not a feeler, so I'll never feel his love, but I know it, so that's okay. And then I had that experience in, 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 in fall of 89, and it just blew me away. Don't ever write yourself off and say, well, I'm not a feeler. I can't, you know, it's, that's never going to happen to me. You don't know when the Lord's going to sneak up on you and just boom, hit you like, till you say, stay your hand. 
experiencing God's love, it may involve something like we've just talked about, and it may not. Leave that up to God. And we don't judge or measure God's love by an experience. We know it because His Word tells us, and that's how we know it here. Any feelings or experience come from that is, is, is you know, gravy on the potatoes. You know, it's just, and it's so wonderful. We measure it by God's, what God's Word says and what He's done for us. And His Word says He's already shown us how much He loves us in that Christ died for us. We don't need any more proof. But God doesn't want you just to know it. He wants you to experience it. So God desires for us to know His love, to experience His love, and then third, He wants us and invites us to share His love. In other words, just to give it away freely. Listen to what the Apostle John said in 1 John 3.16. We know that we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We also, so also, we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. John's saying that if we are followers of Jesus, if we are his disciples, and he's the one that we're going after, and he showed us his love by giving up his life for us, then we need to do the same thing for others. That's how we are to live our lives, sharing his love. And here in this passage, the immediate context is that John's talking about specifically about our brothers and sisters, not only, but, but primarily about our brothers and sisters in the Lord, like those in this room, okay? Those in other churches around town, believers that we have a relationship in the Lord with. But our responsibility to love doesn't stop at the doors of the church. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. But to you who are willing to listen. Now, just pause there. Whenever we read the scriptures, we should say to ourselves, am I willing to listen? Am I willing to hear what God wants me to hear? Or maybe just pray, Lord, make me willing to hear what you want to speak to me today. Because how many know sometimes when he speaks to us, it's not what we want to hear. Right? You ever had God tell you something that you didn't want to hear? But God, I don't want to do that. I am not going to become a pastor. Lord, make me willing. Here I am. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. This is one of the things that's really hard that he tells us and we don't want to necessarily hear. I say, love your enemies. And then he tells us what that looks like. Because we can say, okay, God, I'll love my enemies. And then he tells us, and this is what that looks like. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If some you, someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. 
Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? And he's like, that's easy. You know, even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to others, to other sinners, for a full refund or full return. Says it again then. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will, be, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are thankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. I think it would be awesome if we all just spent some time this week reading and meditating on that passage. Not just the love your enemy part. Because it's easy to check that off and say, okay, God, I love my enemy. I love this person over here. In spite of what they did, I love them. But then we read that and skim over the rest of it. Till we get to the second part at the end where it says, again, he says, love your enemies. It's so easy to skim over what's in the middle. But that's how we do what Jesus is telling us to do. He tells us twice in the passage, at the front end of the end and the, and the end of it, love your enemies, and everything in between tells us what that is to look like in our lives. That's what it looks like to share God's love with others. That right there. God wants us to know his love for ourselves. It's got to start there. Because without that, then none of it is, is going to be possible. Sometimes the simplest words won't come. Some, you know, we know that. Unless we know his love for us, then, then the rest of it's not going to be possible. We start there. We, we take him at his word. We believe that he loves me, not just every, everyone else. You know, it's easy to get lost in the, for God so loved the world and look at everybody else out there and not realize that means me. As I read that, that means me. He loves me so much that he gave his only son. So he wants us to start there. We know his love. We know it here. We choose to believe it. And then he wants us to experience his love. It could be by feeling his love in a tangible way. It could be by just experiencing the freedom that he gives us and the peace that he gives us and the joy that he gives us. He wants us to experience it. There's nothing wrong with praying, Lord, I want to experience your love. There's nothing wrong with praying that. But it's all about more than just our experience. And he wants us to share it.
So look at these three areas and ask yourself, where do I need to grow in the love of God? Where do I need to grow? Do you sometimes question whether or not God loves you? Sometimes doubt whether he not whether or not he loves you. If so, then meditate and memorize scriptures that that speak of God's love for you. Start with the ones we talked about: John three sixteen, Romans five eight, Ephesians three fourteen to eighteen. That passage. Start with those and begin to meditate on them or memorize them and get them in your mind. Grasp you know grasp the the scope of them and the 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 weight of truth that God is communicating to us because God does not lie. So when he says he loves us this much, then he loves us this much. He's not just saying it. He means it. So, you know, if that's an area where you need to, 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 to shore up your faith or you need to, you know, grow in, then do that. Meditate on those scriptures and, and, and maybe memorize them. Or do you need to experience, to grow in the experience of his love? And here's the thing. It's okay to ask for but we don't go seeking after an experience. There's a, there's a difference there. It's okay to say, God, okay, you want me to experience your love? Here I am. You know, I want to experience more of your love. But we don't seek after an experience. And this is kind of a contradiction here, it seems like. We seek after a person. We can ask for the experience, but we pursue and we seek after the person. We seek after Jesus. That's where we set our heart. That's where we set our mind. Get to know him and you will experience his love. If you set your heart on Jesus and pursue him with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will find that you will have times when experiences will come. But those aren't the goal. The goal is Jesus. Experiences are a byproduct of our relationship with Him. Or maybe you want to grow in how you share God's love with others. If that's the case, then here's what to do. Pray and ask God to open your eyes. Ask him to show you what he's doing around you. Ask him to bring people to you whose hearts he's prepared. And to show you how to love them in practical ways. Ask him to, be, to help you become more sensitive to what he is doing in people around you. And that's the thing. It's people that are around you, people that you're going to meet every day, people that you, you, know, you have daily interaction with, or you, you might not have it every day, but you may have you know, interaction one day with them. Pray that God would show you and reveal to you, help you to see into their heart or see a key to, to opening their heart to his love. And how to love them in practical ways. And then, just do it. It's not enough for God to just show us. Then we, in boldness, in faith, and in boldness, and in risk, we just step out and do it. 
It's not enough to just talk about loving people. We got to actually do it in practical ways. Now, let's stand. I want to pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to know and to experience and to share your love with those around us. We want to know the fullness of your love in our lives. So we want to hear about it. We want to know it, but we don't want it to stop there. We want to experience the freedom of your love and the, the joy of your love and the peace of your love and, 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 and in, in our lives. And we want it so much that it spills out over into our lives and we share it with those around us. Our friends, our family, and those who are our enemies. Because even our enemy was created in your image and likeness and created for you to love. Show us what you're doing. Give us a boldness and a willingness to risk. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now as we, uh, we're going to share, uh, pray together the Lord's Prayer. We've been doing this throughout Advent, so let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all as you go throughout this week. Amen. God bless.